Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. In the 90s, there was this uh, really famous basketball player called Michael Jordan. Has anyone heard of Michael Jordan? Famous basketball players. If you don't know, if you don't know who Michael Jordan was, he played for the Chicago Bulls in the NBA uh, in America. And uh, he was a very successful player. He played in the 80s and the 90s. And last year, there was a documentary that came out on Netflix called The Last Dance. If you didn't see it, I suggest you watch it. Even if you don't like sports, even if you don't like basketball, uh, I watched it with Gabby, and she really enjoyed it. It's a really good documentary, talking about Jordan and everything that he accomplished. And so you might say, what's so good about Michael Jordan? What's so special about him? Well, he's arguably in the top three greatest players of basketball of all time. Now, now they reckon there's, you know, there's all kinds of basketball players, but they reckon, and I might be wrong here, but they reckon it's, and I'm just going to say three names, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, and Kobe Bryant. They reckon those are probably the three greatest basketball players of all time. And, and I would say probably, showing my age here, that Michael Jordan is probably the, great, the greatest. He's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. He's the GOAT. And so Michael Jordan, anyway, what was so great about him was that he led the Chicago Bulls to six rings, championship rings. They call them rings because, you know, they're basketball. You shoot the, the hoop in the basketball ring, so they call them rings, to six championship rings. And what was really incredible about that was that he did it by doing it th- uh, two times back to back to back. So he had a three-peat two times. And uh, so from one period of time to the next period of time, in eight years, they won the championship six times. They, they argue that possibly, maybe, and we don't know that, if Michael Jordan had been playing in those two years in between, maybe, possibly they would have won eight championships in a row. But uh, Jordan got uh, sick of basketball and he went and played baseball. And we won't talk about his baseball career. We'll just talk about his NBA career, okay? And so he, he did really raise amazing. Anyway, there was this, this advertising campaign in the 90s, a Gatorade advertising campaign. And what they did was that they were talking about some of the talents, the skills and the, the abilities of Jordan and, and all his success. And it had a little song that had a phrase that went, if I could be like Mike. And so you may remember, you may not, it's a long time ago. Some people weren't even born in the 90s um, here today. And so it's like, if I could be like Mike. And so they had young people, old people, uh, women, men, children, like sing this little song, you know, if I could be like Mike. And it was eventually known as the Be Like Mike campaign. The Be Like Mike campaign. If you go home today, you Google Be Like Mike, it'll come up. You'll be able to watch the video on YouTube and see it there. Ever wanted to be like someone else? Ever wanted to be famous or rich or well-known or powerful or notorious or influential? No one. We're in church, so we're we're not allowed to agree to that, are we? Pretend we're in like a motivational conference. Yeah, like everyone's screaming, that's what we want. That's what we want, you know. Uh, maybe if you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you wanted to be like Mike. Or maybe your influence uh, was someone else, a movie star, maybe a pop idol. It could have been a world leader, a sports star, a st- historical figure, a supermodel. I don't know. And I'm sure we've all imagined it. Come on, let's be real. We've all dreamed it. We've all fantasized about it. Imagine if I was like this, you know, like, what if I was Michael Jordan? Or maybe if I was Robert De Niro? Or maybe Taylor Swift? Or if I was POTUS, the President of the United States? I mean, anyone could do that job. If I was Michael Phelps, 
if I was Gigi Hadid or, you know, what if I was all these things, Sir Winston Churchill, what would, what would my life be like if I was those people? And how, I had to look up that one, but I didn't know who that was. Just trying to be relevant, guys. How much better, you know, Kylie Jenner? I can't remember the other ones. <laughs> life would be better. Oh, man, my life would be better. It would be more fun. It would be more interesting. The people I hang with would just be just great. You know, It would be easy. be more careful. And whatever we might think about if we could be someone else. You know, if I could be like Mike. All those kind of things. And the great thing is that that might be our... Well, sorry, let me say this. Well, great as that might be in our daydreaming and our fantasizing and just thinking about it, those kind of things, as great as that might be, unfortunately... Most of us don't live in that reality, do we? Like when I walk down the street, everyone just walks past me. <laughs> no one knows who I am. And sometimes when I walk down the street and I see you guys, you walk past me. It's like, man, are you serious? But no one knows who we are. It's just not the reality of our lives. It's not our reality. And then if you're a Christian here today and maybe you're here today for the first time and you're just investigating, you're just searching, you don't know about these things, this may not be applicable for you. But if you're a Christian here today, you follow Jesus, there's, a, there's another layer to it as well. Not only, is, not only is that not a reality for our lives, it's also not really what God wants for our lives either. It's not part of his plan. See, God doesn't want us to choose, doesn't, doesn't want us to choose who we're going to look like or be like. Instead, he wants to choose for us who we're going to be like. He's decided that. He, we don't choose. He chooses. And God doesn't want us to be like Mike. God wants us to be Christ-like. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you for our time here together this morning as the church, as believers of Jesus, as maybe people who, who don't believe in Jesus, but we're seeking. I thank you today, Holy Spirit. We're going to meet with you. We're going to have an encounter with you. And through this message, God, I pray that it would speak to people, God, and be used in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Everyone said? Amen. Come on, you tell someone it's good to be in church this morning. So glad I came here today. We started this year with a series called uh, Start Fresh. And if you were with us, you might have heard some of those messages. And the big takeaway thought from that series was this. Instead of focusing on what I want to do in 2021, I'm going to focus on who I'm becoming in 2021. So rather than all the activity of doing, I want to focus on who I'm becoming. And that's going to be different things for all of us. But in some way, we're all wanting to become better versions of ourselves. Am I right? Like we, we want to improve ourselves, become better versions of ourselves. But, but what if maybe instead of becoming a better version of ourselves, what if instead we were becoming Christ-like? You know, flip it on its head. Instead of saying, I want to be a better version of Bronson, what if I said, you know what? I actually want to be more Christ-like. What is Christ-like? I can describe it in many ways, and if you, if you want to go home and look it up in, uh, online, find out what Christ-like means, you can see it in many different ways, and there's different descriptions. But I want it to be really simple for us to remember across this series. I want it to be almost like as if we were in children's church, and uh, the, the messages are real simple. The thoughts that for them to remember is real simple. For me, here's what I'm going to say. What is Christ-like? It's simply this. Be like Jesus. What is Christ-like? It's be like Jesus. Jesus. And so today we're starting a new series called Christ-like, and it's a kind of continuation of our Start Fresh series that we started the year, talking about who we're becoming. And whether we realize this or not, whether it's a conscious knowing or a subconscious thought that is there for every Christian, the ultimate aim is actually to become 
more Christ-like. The issue is we can so readily lose sight of that or not even be aware of that. See, we can think that being a Christian is about being a good person. We can think that maybe it's about living life under a moral code that a good teacher gave us. Maybe we think to ourselves that it's about fulfilling our destiny and purpose. Or we might think that being Christian is just trying to live our best life. But what we find is that in the Bible and in between a passage of Scripture talking about, this is Paul talking about how we are to live with each other and how we are to treat other people. And then another passage of Scripture talking about the, the unselfishness of Jesus. Paul says this in Philippians 2.5. If you've got Bible, you can look it up. Or if you don't, it will be on the screen behind me. He says this, In your lives you must think and act like Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, say live your best life. He's not saying live under a moral code. He's saying think and act like Jesus Christ. In another passage of Scripture in the Bible, Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he says this, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Paul's saying, simplified, he's saying, Be like me as I be like Jesus. Be like me, Paul says. As I be like Jesus. Now, this is not a new thought to any, anyone. This is not a new idea. The concept of be like me. Parents, we've got any parents here today? I've got some parents. We've got any parents to be? We've got a young couple at the back of the church. They're having a baby. Why don't we give them a congratulations? <laughs> Dion and Priscilla, so good. But you know, as parents, you may not realize it, but every day to your children, you're saying, be like me. The words that I say, the attitudes I have, the, 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 the actions I take, the responsibilities we carry. We may not realize parents, but every day we're saying to them, be like me. Uh, if you're in a workplace, you may have been under a mentor or a trainer or a manager or a, a team leader. And in essence has said to, us, said to you, be like me. You know, if you want to succeed in this job, if you want to know how to do the work properly, if you want to be competent, be, be part of this team, this person has essentially said to you, be like me. In society, we've just been through a massive period of time where the government has said to us and is still saying to us, be like me. Like, follow these guidelines, do these rules, uh, these lockdowns, these restrictions, be like me. The government's been saying to us, yeah, be like, be like this certain type of... Way. So we're used to having people follow our example or be like us, and we're used to following other people's example or being like other people. What's interesting though, and if I'm really honest here today, really open, and, and I think that perhaps maybe you're the same, is that what's really interesting today is that as a parent, there's actually sometimes in my life that I don't want my children to be like me. <laughs> I don't want them to be like me. There's other times in my life where as a husband, I wouldn't want any other husband to hold me up as an example to look to. There's some other times, even as a Christian, where my example isn't one that anyone should be like. And I'm a pastor. You know, that's the reality that we live in, yeah? Be, my, be like me, but sometimes don't be like me. And there can be this condemnation in our lives when we think about being like Jesus. You know, like Christ-like, be, be like Jesus. And we think about following the example of Jesus and, and acting and thinking and talking like he did and there's this this sense of maybe failure or disconnect that comes in our lives because we want to be there but the reality is we're here 
We, we want to be like Jesus, but the reality is I'm not like Jesus. And I feel that. I feel that. And I'm sure you do as well. Again, that verse, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example. The Apostle Paul is, I follow the example of Jesus, of Christ. There's something really rich and powerful in this statement. It can be really easy to miss it if all we do is, is hold on to maybe that little condemnation that comes our way because we don't feel like we are. It's, it's this, don't follow Paul who has the bad attitude. It's, don't follow the Paul who's, who's cranky or angry at one of the church leaders at the church that he's planted. Don't, don't follow Paul who's tired and you know, having to support himself doing his tent making. You know, don't, don't follow Paul in those scenarios. No, follow Paul who's following Jesus. Do you see that? Follow Paul who's following Jesus. The, the area of his life that reflects Jesus, let that be an example to you. The area of his, the words that he says that reiterate the words of Jesus, let be like that. The, the actions that, re, that relay the actions of Jesus, be like that. Where his desires line up with Jesus, be like that. So Paul is saying, hey, if you want to know how to live your life right with God, look to me, follow my example, but follow the example of my life that is following Jesus. That is following Jesus Christ. And, and, and it can sort of almost be like, well, that's a little bit of a cop-out, isn't it? It's kind of like ignore the areas of my life that aren't so good. Just follow the areas that are good. But, you know, when it comes to Paul, I, I don't think he's the kind of guy that cops out. He wrote, he wrote most of the New Testament. He planted the early, uh, most of the early churches that went for the Gentile churches. Uh, so much of what he wrote in his letters inspired by the Holy Spirit, is, is the foundation of, of most of Christian theology today. So I don't think Paul's the kind of guy who cops out. I actually think that Paul knew something really important, very important. And there's a following quote that explains it so well. Rick Warren, he says this, Christ's likeness is your eventual destination, but your journey will last a lifetime. That's the destination, but the journey is going to last a lifetime. And so Paul is saying, in my lifetime journey to become Christ-like, where I currently am in that journey, those areas that are like Jesus, be like that. Be like me. Be like Jesus. Christ-like, be like Jesus. We're going to explore in the coming weeks the example that Jesus gave for us to follow, the way he lived his life, the things that he said, the way he thought, the way he acted. And, and I believe it's going to be a great series. So I want to encourage you to make sure that you come along each Sunday because we're going to build each week. We'll build upon the last week and uh, we'll have it on the podcast as well. But it's going to be a great series. But today in our remaining time, I just want to lay some foundations of where Christ-likeness starts, being Christ-like starts. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Acts 4, uh, verse 1. And I'm going to read a passage of Scripture right now. It's a little bit long, so just Bear with me, but it's really important because it's going to set the scene for our message today. Uh, and so Acts chapter 4, verse 1. While Peter and John were speaking to the people, priests, the captains of the soldiers that guarded the temple, and Sadducees came up to them. They were upset because the two apostles were teaching the people and were preaching that people will rise from the dead through the power of Jesus. Don't be uh, surprised when people get upset about you telling them about Jesus Christ. The older leaders grabbed Paul and John and put them in jail. Since it was already night, they kept them in jail until the next day. But many of those, hear that? But many of those who heard Peter and John preach believed the things they said. There were now about 5,000 in the group of believers. These guys thrown in prison for talking about Jesus, but there was fruit. There were people who believed. Be encouraged. Maybe you've been sharing the gospel with people or peoples for many years. Be encouraged. 
fruit comes from it. Verse 5, the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Uh, Ananias, the high priest, Cephas, John, and Alexander were there, as well as everyone from the high priest's family. They made Peter and John stand before, and they asked them, by what power or authority do you do this? These guys, like, you, you haven't been brought up through our religious system. By whose authority are you preaching? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, or filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, Gideon, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. When the Holy Spirit comes, you, you know, there's, there's about to be a can opened. He says this, rulers of the people and you elders, are you questioning us about a good thing that was done to a crippled man? They healed a crippled man. I think they might have healed him on the Sabbath. Such a bad thing to do, to heal someone's life on a Sunday. And so they, they bring him before them. And so are you asking us who made him well? We want all of you and all the people to know that this man was made well by the power of Jesus Christ from Nazareth. You crippled him, but God raised him from this dead. This man was crippled, but he is now well and able to stand here because of the power of Jesus and then quoting some scripture from the Old Testament, Jesus is the stone that you builders rejected who has become the cornerstone. Using, using Old Testament to, to let these guys know what's going on. Jesus is the only one who can save people. No one else in the world is able to save us. Then it comes on to the next part, verse 13. The, Lord, the leaders saw that Peter and John were not afraid to speak. And they understand that these men had no special training or education. No special training education. These guys, how are they able to speak like this? How, how do they know the scripture? How are they able to speak in such a way that pierces our hearts, that gets to the very depths of what we're trying to do here? So they were amazed. Then they realized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. Peter and John had been with Jesus. Say it with me. They realized they had been with Jesus. The words Peter and John were saying, the actions they were undertaking, the service they were doing, the attitudes they carried, Christ-like. Be like Jesus. That's, that's what they were doing. But the clincher is that final sentence. They realized they had been with Jesus. My, my single thought for today's message, if you don't take anything away from this message today, write this down. Being Christ-like begins by being with Jesus. Being Christ-like begins by being of Jesus. See, that's where it all starts. That's where it starts. Being like Jesus is birthed in us being with Jesus. The genesis of it starts in that place, being with Jesus. See, in Matthew 4, 18, we see the beginning story of Peter. When it starts, when he begins, it says this, As Jesus was walking by Lake Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter. This is the Peter we just talked about. And his brother Andrew, they were throwing a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers, fish, fish for men, so, for people. So Simon and Andrew immediately left their, lifts, left, left their nets and followed him. Jesus says, follow me. The scriptures say they left their nets and they followed Jesus. This is the same Peter in Acts 4. That we just read earlier, this, this Peter in, in Matthew 4 is the same Peter later on in Acts 4. What has what is, what is Peter been doing? 
between the time of Matthew, when that event occurred, what has Peter been doing all the way through to the time of Acts 4, where he stands up and speaks in a way that people are amazed and, and, and doing those things? What's he been doing? He's been following Jesus. He lives with Jesus. He listens to Jesus. He talks to Jesus. He, he eats with Jesus. He dreams with Jesus. He's disciplined by Jesus more than a few times. He loves Jesus. He models Jesus. He follows Jesus. Henry, Henry Drummond, uh, um, he wrote this in the book, The Greatest Thing in the World. He wrote, a few raw, unspiritual men were admitted to the inner circle of his friendship. Talking about Jesus, the change began at once, day by day. We can almost see the first disciples grow occasionally. They do a thing or say a thing that they could not have done or said had they not been living with Jesus. Slowly the spell of his life deepens, their manner softens, their words become more gentle, their conduct more selfless. They do not know how it is, but they are different men. One day they find themselves like their master going about and doing good. They were not told to do this, but they did it. The people who watched them, but the, they did not, they were not told to do it, came them to do it. But the old English. But the people who watched them knew well how to account for it. They have been, they whispered, with Jesus. Being Christ-like begins by being with Jesus. You have to be with Jesus. To become like Jesus. And I'm kind of preaching to the choir here today, but there's an important distinction here. And we might think to ourselves, well, the 12 disciples, the early Christians, they had an advantage. When I say they be with Jesus, they could actually physically be with Jesus. Like they actually lived with him. They, they encountered him. You know, they physically broke bread, bread with him. And we don't get to do that. 2,000 years later, Jesus is no longer physically walking on this earth. So to be with him in that regards, we can't be. But you know what? I can still be with Jesus. I can still be with Jesus. You know that there's this thing called a Bible. And I don't have my Bible with me yet. There's this thing called a Bible. And when I read that, I'm reading the story of Jesus recorded by men, directed and inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down these accounts. And when I re read the account of Jesus healing a crippled man, you know what? I'm there with Jesus in that moment. When I hear about Jesus before the religious instructors and them trying to trap him and trick him and him responding with the word of God and the spirit of the Holy Spirit, I am right there in that story. I am with Jesus. When I read the encounter of Jesus just before he starts his ministry out in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil in those moments where Jesus quotes back scriptures. Man shall not live by bread alone. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You know all those things you should only um, you have no one before the Lord your God. In those moments as I read that scripture I am with Jesus. I, I, in, those, in the Bible, I am there with Jesus. In every one of those stories, I'm with Jesus. See, the Holy Spirit inside of me connects me with that story in the Bible. It connects me with Jesus, and I'm there with him. I'm seeing his example. I'm seeing the way he encountered with people, talked to people, the way he loved people. I'm seeing the way that he reacted and, and thought and explains things with parables. I'm with Jesus. And then not just that. There's the Holy Spirit who is inside of us. When you receive Jesus Christ, when you said, Jesus, I, I accept your, uh, that you died for me and I believe that you're, you're, the, you're the one who I need in my life to save my life, to spend an eternity with God. When we did that moment, the Holy Spirit comes inside me. And not only can I read about Jesus, but I can experience Jesus through the Holy Spirit. So when I'm driving down the road in my car, Jesus is with me through the Holy Spirit. 
when I'm going to a, a I don't know, an appointment and I'm, and I'm anxious about it, do you know that Jesus is with me in that moment? He's right beside me. I can say, Jesus, what do I need to do here? When I'm in the line at the supermarket, Jesus is with me. When I'm going to, I don't know what it is, when I'm crying, crying over a friend or a child, I'm with Jesus. When I'm celebrating something good, I'm with Jesus. Jesus is with me. I'm with Jesus. In this room, guess what? Jesus is here. But he's not just here because we sang some songs and he's not just here through the, the manifestation of his Holy Spirit or through the Bible, but he's here through you. Turn to the person next to you and say, Jesus is here through you. He's here through you. You know that you're an example of Jesus and when I'm with you, I'm with Jesus. When I'm with you, I'm with Jesus. And, 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 and remember the destination of Christ-likeness. It's a lifetime journey. And there only may be a tiny bit of Jesus inside of us. But when someone is with us, when we allow that part of Jesus inside of us to overflow out of our life, guess what? That person who is with us is with Jesus. When I'm with my dad, there's aspects of Jesus that are around me. When I'm with dad, when I'm with, with Pastor Ross, there's aspects of Jesus that when I'm with Pastor Ross, I'm with Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that you or we or those people are Jesus. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that there is Jesus inside of every one of us. And when we are with other believers, that part of us comes out of us. The Bible, the Holy Spirit, other, other believers, and there's other places. When I'm in prayer, I'm with Jesus. When I'm worshiping God, I'm with Jesus. When I'm serving other people, I'm with Jesus. When I'm loving people, when there's thankfulness, gratitude, forgiveness, service, in all these things, I'm with Jesus. Being Christ-like begins by being with Jesus. If the kids could come, that'd be great. Maybe you're here today and, and you're saying, I don't get it. Like Bronson, I actually don't get it. I, I don't understand. I don't, I don't see what the big deal is. Christ-like. I, I don't even know if I want to be like Jesus. Why, why is it so important? Why is this thing so important? Let me tell you why it's so important. The very, very beginning of our, uh, the book we call the Bible in Genesis 5.1, it says this. This is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. You and I were made in the likeness of God. And I don't fully understand it, and I won't pretend to uh, try to explain all the intricacies of it. But in some way, we're like God. And I don't know whether it's our, our physical likeness or the, the mental capacity that we have or our emotional being or our, our soul or, or all of those things together. Uh, we were made in God's image, in His likeness. And the thing is that God isn't just, His desire is not just for us to look like Him. He wants us to be like Him. And I'm not talking about the divinity of, of, of God. I'm not talking about His divineness because God does not and He will not share that with any other person or thing that He's, he's, alone, he's alone. But that, that part of Him, His characteristics, some of His attributes, some of the things that He does, some of His, his um, attitudes, those things, He want us, wants us to be like Him. Created in His image, created in His likeness to be Christ-like. Ephesians 5.1, you are God's children whom He loves, so try to be like Him. God's invited us on this incredible journey of life, a journey of becoming someone, something. And we could choose to look to other things out there. We could choose to look to other things inside of us to become like. And I'm not saying that those things are bad things, but I'm just saying that maybe they're not the right things. And, you know, uh, 
some of those things we might have. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But what I am saying is that who we are to become. My prayer for you in 2021, and it's, and it's my prayer for myself. These message series are, are birthed out of what I'm going through. They're birthed out what I'm experiencing, where I feel God leading me. And sorry, church, where God's leading me, that's where your guys are being leaded too. But this is birthed out of what I feel God's speaking to me, that in 2021, it's not about me becoming like some other person. It's about me becoming Christ-like. It's about us as believers of Jesus becoming like Christ, more like Christ. And it's a journey. The destination is Christ-likeness, but the journey is, takes a lifetime. and There's not this expectation that there's this miraculous conversion in your life, but there can be. But there's this inside of us that says, Jesus, I want to be more like you. Following Jesus for, I don't know, most of my life, seriously, 30 years. I don't want 2021 just to be another year that I look back and say, wow, I lived a good life. I want to be more like Jesus. I want the Holy Spirit to be working in me, transforming me, making me that new creation. Yeah, there's been new creation changing my life. And I would say in your life, if you know Jesus, there's been new creation changing your life. He's transformed you. You're not the same person that you used to be. But can I just say to you, God hasn't finished. God hasn't finished in His work in your life. God hasn't finished transforming you more into the likeness of Christ. There comes a point sometimes where we can lose sight of that and we think this far is far enough because we confuse following Jesus with being good, a moral code, trying to live our best life and we don't realize that following Jesus is because we're becoming like Jesus. And so today I want to just want to encourage us, you know, God, you know, Michael Jordan, he's a champion. God doesn't want us to be like Mike. He wants us to be like Jesus. Let's pray. God, I just thank you today. Lord.